everyone, and welcome to On the Front Lines of Collapse. I'm your host, Christopher David, joined today by my co-host, Christopher Michael. Hey, guys. In this episode, we are going to tell our story and why we talk about simplifying and building resilience in our lives for the hardships to come. Let's start it off when we were living in our apartment in Frederick, Maryland. Yeah, so we moved there in 2018, and I was working in D.C. We wanted to be a little bit closer to the first property that we had. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it was uh, about 24, 25 acres in Pennsylvania, and we got some shipping containers, got some cheap solar panels, and we tried to make that work, and it was awful. That was our first adventure into living simpler yes we just really didn't know what we were doing yes it was you know we had a well drilled it was 300 feet deep for hand crank pump and that wasn't going to cut it even and like, you had to pump it for like five minutes before any water came out yeah exactly yeah those were some red flags looking back right yeah Jeez. and then not only that but then the road was an old logging road to the property and that was muddy potholes steep in in parts of it it was very steep yes yep and then once you got up there yeah because remember in the winter time like the ground would freeze but it would only just be like the first couple inches and under that was just mud it was terrible yeah yeah and then so we learned a lot of different techniques inside of the house for the construction so it miraculously we did have two shipping containers dropped off on that property yeah. From a company out of the port of Baltimore. Oh, J&J Containers. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided this wasn't going to cut it. And then we were able to sell that property. And then we were on the search. And it took us over a year. Well, you had a lot of criteria that you were looking for in the search. So, like, what are some things that you looked for? In the land that brought us where we are now. Well, originally we had talked about, and this was even before we actually sold the property. I started in Pennsylvania. We were contemplating on doing it a while before that. And we were looking for a place that had good access, that was flatter, that had water, reliable water nearby. It could be in the form of a spring, a stream, a pond, but water of some kind instead of on the side of a mountain. And we wanted to look for something that could potentially make some side income in the future. And we're really interested in medicinal herbs. So trying to grow something that you could make medicine out of or tea out of, that was kind of what we were looking for. And so we were we searched, oh gosh, for a long time. And the closest place that we could actually afford was four hours away. But I still wanted to be in the mountains because I really think they're beautiful and it's it's just so scenic. Yeah, even though we were living in an apartment, we knew that we'd always end up in this type of lifestyle that we're in now. Right, yeah. So we were just kind of biding our time, saving money in the apartment. So we bought this property in November 2018? Yes, and... It had pretty much everything that we were looking for, and we felt really good about it. I even tried to do some soil testing, which um, came back that it was pretty acidic, so we knew we were going to have to build up the soil. And from what the neighbors were saying, that the ground had been farmed for decades, so it was really depleted of, of nutrients and, and organic matter. And they just did, matter. like, corn, wheat, corn, are they... Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure they sprayed the heck out of it with all sorts of 
toxic chemicals. So when we got here in terms of gardening, the soil was dead. I mean, it was full on soil collapse here. And that was, you know, another reason why it was so cheap that we could afford it, you know. But being two millennials, it was one of those things where you can't get the perfect property because you can't afford it. It's so expensive. And like you just said, we had been saving for a very long time. And, you know, just how with everything is so expensive, it takes a long, long time to get any type of savings. We saved for three or four years. We didn't really do much other than work Mm -hmm. during that time to be able to save the money to put into this. Exactly. So, so we got the property 2018, late 2018. We started working on it in 2019. We would come down a couple times a month on the weekends Mm -hmm. and work on the property, work on inside the shipping containers Mm -hmm. because our main goal was to really set up the house to be able to be used. yeah because i know i remember you saying like when i came down here by myself you wanted me to be in a, a building of some type whether it's you know converted shed or an rv or even the shipping containers that it was just safe you know because there's a lot of bears and we don't really know the people around here very well yeah, the people yeah we'll get to that but um we had the two the same shipping container company that we had in baltimore um, that we used in the previous property, they came down and dropped off two 20-foot shipping containers, and we had it um, had them cut out two windows on each container with the correct dimensions. So you you drew it out because we wanted to do the shotgun crossbreeze. Yes, because I was reading Green Wizardry by John Michael Greer, and he was talking about old ways that people design their homes to try to cool it in the summertime before the invention of air conditioning. And so the shipping containers are perfect for that. They're long and narrow, which is exactly what a shotgun house is like. And if you're not familiar with one, it's basically the concept of you could take a shotgun, stand in the front door, and shoot it through the house and it not hit anything going out the The back. back yeah so that helps suck air through it's kind of like a garden hose when you put your finger over the end of it it starts shooting the water out at higher velocity because you're slowly closing off and building the pressure that's pretty much the concept with the shotgun house and that's what we designed this one to be so the doors are on the same side but at opposite ends of the house yeah, and it's, in the summer when it's really hot, sometimes if we get a nice stiff breeze, it can just knock all the hot air right out of the house in one go. Yeah, it sucks it right out, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So then we started working on it in 2019 for about a year, and then January 2020 happened, yes. Yep. which was the start of COVID. Yes. So I was working in, in D.C. at the time. I was reading information that not a lot of people have access to we'll say it that way so i knew that it was a bigger deal than what was being talked about mm-hmm. in mainstream media and we were watching chris martinson at peak prosperity he came out with red alert hey this is a pretty big deal guys y'all should be paying attention to it yeah that was around the 20th or something or 22nd yes. of yes of january so it was pretty early and then i started coming down as it started to get worse and worse i came down twice a week trying to finish the inside of the house as much as possible so in case we needed it we had some place to go and you know as fate would have it 
the pandemic blew up. We lost our jobs and our apartment lease was ending. So we did need a place to go. And we decided, hey, let's go down to the property and try to make it work. Yep. And so that was in May 2020. Yes. We left apartment life and that was the last time that we were in a modern house. Also, I think the biggest adjustment for me at the beginning was getting rid of a lot of the stuff that we had Mm -hmm. in the apartment because I had a lot of furniture. ton of of really nice furniture, a huge flat screen TV. We had to get rid of everything. The box spring, the mattress, the whole bed frame, all the coffee table, couch, end tables, everything, Mm -hmm. dressers. Yeah, And that was tough for me because while I didn't have necessarily a sentimental connection to them, Mm -hmm. it was like, it's mine. Mm -hmm. Those are my things. Mm -hmm. So it felt like something was being taken from me. But at the same time, I was dealing with some cognitive dissonance because I was thinking, understanding and believing something's happening right now that we need to adjust the way that we're living. But at the same time, I didn't want to give up the comforts that I had become accustomed to. And plus when you got out of the army, that was your first set of furniture that you bought, Mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't cheap Ikea stuff. It was really expensive, nice furniture. And it was tough to just go throw that in a dumpster because no one wanted it. No, you know, it it was high pandemic where no one was talking to anyone. Landfill was shut down. You couldn't do anything. We couldn't do anything. So we had to throw it in a dumpster and run. And get emailed by the apartment complex. Everyone stop throwing furniture in the dumpsters. It was us. Yeah, it was definitely us. But you didn't get our money. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. And then, so when we started life here, it was a huge culture shock. It was, yeah. So in my upcoming book, The Psychology of Collapsing, I do a whole chapter on the emotions on a timeline for collapse so one i do collapsing like we did on our own and then with society for us it was it was very difficult because we are so close to modernity without really being there Mm -hmm. you're on the outside looking in Mm -hmm. with it because we're in the middle of a field 11 acre field and there's all these modern houses mostly except for the mobile home that has air conditioning TV, electric, hot water, whenever you turn a faucet, you know, that's really nice. And when you flip a switch, the light comes on. It's it's a miracle. It really is miraculous that these things work, just happen. And we take that for granted. Oh, yeah. And when we first got here, we really were in the middle of a field. We were just in the middle of a field, mm-hmm. plopped it on some cinder blocks. No garden yet no. because we hadn't had the opportunity to start it yeah so we had to build everything from scratch and i think emotionally we felt as bleak as the environment yep it was here yep because blank slate we took ourselves out of something that we had known for our entire lives during a pandemic when everything shut down when every you don't know what is up or down left or right with it because no one actually really knows. The people who do know seem to be lying through their teeth about it. So you don't know how bad it is getting. What like what are the further things that are going to take place? Is the whole system going to collapse with it? You didn't know. Yeah, we didn't know if they were going to be shutting down 
the state lines. We were just, Mm -hmm. everyone was panicking. Mm -hmm. It was panic central. So now that we plopped ourselves down here, we had very basic tools, but we had to start with something. So, you know, we had for heat, we had our wood stove. Then we were learning on how to wash dishes by hand. How we to... were getting the water from the stream. That's right. Yeah, the stream the first... was probably like 30, 40 yards away. I don't know, six months? A couple months. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, we came in May, but then it dried up in July. Oh, that's right. And we... So it wasn't too terribly long. And we did the the well in July. Yeah, because the, the stream started drying up. Right. And it's a big enough stream that you could fit a Dodge truck through, but... In the mountains, it just happens. They're seasonal. So we were forced to dig our own well in the heat of summer in July. And Yeah, we didn't have much of a choice. It's kind of like one of those learning curves that, yeah. okay, the stream dries up in the summer. We didn't really necessarily know that before, mm-hmm. but it's something that we learned and we wouldn't have learned if we weren't here doing it. Yes. And then we dug our own well. It's about 12 foot deep. And that was miserable. Yes, it was. It was tough. But boy, was it something when we hit water. Oh, my goodness. Because it was a huge accomplishment. And then when we had it all hooked up with our PVC pipes and our Home Depot pitcher pump, what a feeling that we could get water with just a few pumps away. Whenever we need it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, to this day, we have never had it dry up. Yeah, it's a huge, huge blessing to have that right there. You know, and you're not going to if you're... Your well's 360 feet deep. That's not sustainable. Because you're using electricity to get it up. Right. But even with, if you were trying to do it by hand, I Mm. mean, ditch that bitch and get a new property because this is ridiculous. That's not sustainable to, after all the work that we've done with having to water everything by hand. Yeah, that's, that takes a tremendous amount of time. And it's just not sustainable. I think in the future, we're going to try to hook up and make a solar well mm-hmm. where this, we just flip a switch and then the, the we have the parts for it. We just need to dig the hole. Yeah. yeah. But the spring and the fall are the best times for that sort of stuff. Yeah. So we had to adapt to simple living. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some of the first things that we really had to adapt to quickly? The poop, the pee, mm-hmm. what to do with that sort of stuff. If you don't have a septic system, You've got this toxic waste. If you're not going to handle it properly, it's going to come back, contaminate your food, contaminate you, contaminate your water if it's not dealt with. And no one wants to talk about that from peak prosperity to counselor to Greer to anybody in a prepping conversation on social media. They do not want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. But guess what? We need to. Yeah, it's it's weird because people poop every day. Mm Mm-hmm. Or you should, because yeah. there might be a problem, but you poop every day. You have to know what to do with it so that you're being safe. Exactly, because Kunstler talks about small towns being the way of the future. Well, that's cute and all, but if you have small towns, you've got people in them, and they're going to pee and poop every single day. And unless we do something about it, it's going to contaminate and make everyone sick and kill them. So for us, we had to find out very quickly what to do with that stuff. Fortunately, there was someone who already had blazed the trail for us and wrote The Human or Handbook by J.C. Jenkins. His work has been really instrumental in keeping us safe, keeping our water clean, and making sure that nothing's contaminated. 
So what we do with that, we go to the bathroom in a five-gallon bucket with the screw-on lid that we got from Amazon, and we have wood shavings in the bottom of that. So when we go to the bathroom, we then take a handful of the cover material, which is the wood shavings, and put that on top of it to cover it. Then once the bucket's full, for two people, it's about a week, we take it outside and we dump it into a compost bin and we let it sit there for a year. Uh, once that is full, we then leave it alone for another year and let it compost. There's actually a lot of really beneficial insects that come to your aid. One of them is the black soldier fly that we learned about that actually just showed up by itself. And its larvae decompose your waste and turn it into beautiful, rich compost. So once it's set for a year, and composted, you can then use it on your fruit trees, nut trees, berry plants. The author does say that you could put it on your vegetables, but just for safety's sake, there's no reason to. We use chicken manure for that. So we just put it around the perennial crops. And also, we don't just squat over the toilet, or we don't just squat over the bucket. Right. We, we've built a, with a regular toilet seat, you wouldn't really even know that there's a bucket underneath unless you look inside i guess but yeah it's just a small stand with a nice toilet seat on top of it and that's what takes care of that for us for our urine uh, we collect it and then we dilute it about 12 to 1 with water versus urine and we put that on our plants and i can tell you that the chestnuts and the mulberries love it because if they don't have it their leaves turn a little yellow and so they definitely could use the nitrogen yeah absolutely so it's really important to understand these things going into the basics the situation because you you want to know where's the poop going to go on day one yes and then your water Mm -hmm. you know to go back to your question absolutely the water you know we were fortunate to have a berkey water filter with the charcoal filters and that has been really helpful in keeping us safe from God knows what is in the well water. So that's been a huge help. So the first year was really about adapting to our new situation, which presented its own problems. Can you go into that? Second? Yeah, I think it had a little bit of a strain on our relationship. Absolutely because, it did. Because we stopped communicating mm-hmm. to each other. Why do you think that was? Mm, partly because... We still hadn't learned as much as we know now about mental health, emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. the need to be open and communicate. I think because we were just trying to maybe be brave for each other to the point where we just compartmentalized all of our feelings, Mm -hmm. kept them inside Mm -hmm. until there were moments that they would burst out and we'd get into a yelling match. I know for me... It was the the stress of the pandemic and trying to grow a lot of food without the the expertise, without the scale, without the infrastructure in place to do that. And I just wanted to keep going and going and going without taking time out for myself, taking time out for you, and just communicating like, look, we're scared to death right now. There's a lot of shit going on, and this is really stressful. And it's okay to do that, and we've learned to do that, which has been huge for our relationship. It's just moving on your chest, so don't move. 
Okay, I'll try not to. Where did we leave all of them? I don't know. Yeah, so you were really working yourself into the ground, and I think neither one of us had enough emotional intelligence at the time to be like, hey, we need to stop and talk about this. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank God we've learned a lot more since then. Yeah, it, but it took a lot, and it takes, I think, failure to get better at stuff. Mm -hmm. You have to fail at it to get better because you don't you don't know that you're not doing it right unless you fail at it. Well, I mean, once again, how do you plop down two people who have lived a modern lifestyle their entire lives in the middle of a field and expected to work out perfectly the first time? It definitely didn't. Yeah, it didn't. But I think the thing with us is that we're doers mm -hmm. you know when we say hey we're gonna go live in the middle of a fucking field that we do it definitely and we're not just talkers about it mm -hmm. so that gave us the motivation to continue to say we're not gonna fail at this project as a whole we have to keep pushing and so we had uncomfortable conversations and we confronted each other about things that pissed us off on a daily basis because that's what you have to do. Open communication 100% or it's it's doomed to absolutely fail. Yeah, and if either one of us ran when, when the other party tried to have an honest conversation, that person's not for you. Mm -hmm. And that person is not going to toe the line that you need them to toe. It's a two-man or it takes a village really to make it work. And how much more in the future when you have to rely on people a lot more than what we do today? So the second year, I think we, we started to get a little more familiar with everything. Yeah, things started falling into place. We adapted. And then it started raining inside. Yeah, then we found out that the people that we were following directions from on YouTube did not know how to properly insulate and seal a shipping container yep it turns, so it just it just started leaking condensing water and we thought maybe maybe there was a hole somewhere in the roof mm -hmm. and there was you know rainwater collecting mm -hmm. up top or something and then we started taking some panels down because we had put up wood paneling like tongue and groove mm -hmm. wood paneling from lowe's yes exactly and then we started pulling it down and then we saw that the roxel insulation was soaking wet fortunately we went with that the first time <laughs> not that you know that worked out but if it was fiberglass it would have molded and been horrendous so, so what did we do we did it we did a one inch foam board yes and then we did roxel yes mm -hmm. yep and then the then we used the guy recommended for on youtube he said like hvac tape mm-hmm there's that real expensive like foil tape. Okay, yeah. So we taped the seams of that. Well, it's not airtight. Mm -hmm. So of course water vapor is going to get back in there. And it did. And then it started condensing when it hit the container walls. Mm -hmm. And then it started leaking through that. So we found out really quickly that that was not what you do when we pulled down all of that foam board and it was just gallons of water falling onto the floor. It was horrific it was horrible yes it was a really horrible experience and it felt like defeat massively i mean yeah. the amount of money and time that went into it you know i mean i mean we had to take it down to the studs 
yes. in January of 2021. Yep. And it was like that for months because we were on a budget and we couldn't get everything that we needed right away. It was pretty chilly. We slept on the floor with the mattress. Mm-hmm. It was it was definitely defeat. It was hard. Yeah. It was really hard. It was. Yeah, and we didn't have any family. We didn't have any friends. No one around here mm-hmm. was going to talk to us because we're new. So it was, you know, we had to rely on each other and a hell of a lot of praying to get through it. Yeah, that was really tough emotionally. But on the other side of it, when mm-hmm. we were able to rebuild it, mm-hmm. I think that's when everything started started to click into place. Yeah, because the amount of time it takes to build a house while you're living in it and doing everything else in this type of lifestyle is it's so challenging. You gotta shuffle everything around when right. you wanna work on one part of it. But like you said, once that was finished, we could divert all that time and energy into everything else that needed to get done, like the garden, the chicken coops, the solar panel, the firewood, all that stuff. And that's when I think we started to see stuff flourish. Sure, yeah. And then, you know, fortunately, we were able to do a lot more research on the house and found out that you need at least two inches of closed cell spray foam or foam board that is sealed at the seams to prevent condensation and water vapor getting through. So that's what we did. And that was worked perfectly. Actually, it's too sealed right now <laughs> because then it starts to condense on the windows. And so we have to open up the windows a little bit in the wintertime to let some of the water vapor out. We're still learning the whole regulation yes. of it. Yeah. And if we can find a low energy consuming air exchanger, that would be nice. So that's something that I think that would make it perfect. And then we would, the house would be a hundred percent good to go mm-hmm. and we don't have to worry about anything. But like you said, we do have to open the windows from time to time to let some of the water vapor out in the winter time. Yeah. And in this third year, I think we've really started to understand ourselves mm-hmm. more and where we fall into place mm-hmm. with what everything that's going on in the world. We started to work on our mental health and emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. which is such an odd topic because for some reason it's taboo. Oh, as soon as you mention it, everyone just flies out of the room. Mm-hmm. They don't like to read it on our website. People don't like to talk about it at all. They think it's too uncomfortable. They're going to discover things they don't like about themselves. And none of these people realize that it's it's supposed to make you better. Yeah. You feel better long term working through the baggage. Yeah, and it is uncomfortable. And you are going to see things about yourself that you don't like. Sure. But that's the purpose. Mm -hmm. That's the purpose of it is to look at yourself and examine the bad parts, Mm -hmm. the good parts, Mm -hmm. the weird parts, the funny parts, so that you understand what you need Mm -hmm. to operate as a person. Not what you want, which we've talked about in Mm -hmm. other podcasts. It's, It's what you actually need. And the one thing I, I learned that I needed was to understand myself more mm-hmm. uh, because I have a habit of compartmentalizing my emotions because it just feels like it was something that I've always done. Mm-hmm. It was reinforced in the military because when you're in the heat of battle, you can't just stop and cry because you're upset that your buddy got shot or something like that. 
you have to put that shit away mm-hmm. until it's done mm-hmm. and then you can cry and then you can lick your wounds but but now i, th- I think god's giving us this time for us to be able to understand ourselves mm-hmm. And work with the land around us. Yeah. So you started listening to Natalie Liu and the Baggage Reclaim Sessions podcast. Yes. When I was doing all the work for the container, that was a great opportunity to work on my mental health to keep it cool. And she was a tremendous help with all sorts of things to work through. You know, with my childhood upbringing, my parents were very mentally abusive and manipulative. And they are narcissists, hands down narcissists. Check on the boxes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, one parent, covert narcissist, so it's more hidden. The other one is very charismatic and outward about it. Mm-hmm. And then the siblings have a lot of baggage to work through, too. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Don't we all? They're very damaged. But the reason why I wanted to mention this was that we all are broken and we all have things about ourselves that we don't like. You're not the only person. You're not the only one who is embarrassed with things that have happened in the past. You're not the only person that doesn't like themselves from time to time. It's okay. You're not alone with this. And that's why it's important to talk about it and to get that out there. And I'm so glad we have the opportunity and the work ethic to get this out in our articles, but then also now in the podcast, which is really helpful. And I hope it does reach people so that they know that they're not alone with it. And they're going to need this. They're going to need to be their biggest supporter going into a world of less. Yeah, and and I've said this before, but I really like talking about mental health and emotional intelligence. And it's kind of a selfish reason, is because I don't want to go into a collapsing society with a lot of people that don't understand their emotions. Considering here, for instance... There's neighbors that every night around probably 30 minutes before dusk, she will come out and she's around our age. She's in her 30s. She has two kids and a husband that does nothing. She will come out and just scream, just yell at the kids, scream at the husband, yell at the dog. That woman is chaos. She's so broken inside and has so much baggage to work through. That's just manifesting itself screaming yeah and you can almost set your clock by the time she's gonna come out and start yelling it's f this f that and she's oh telling her children uh, that they are like the fucking worst thing that happened to they're her. like i don't know max five years old oh yeah yeah they're like toddlers it's yeah. insanity she's such a piece of shit but that's that's what's out there that that inner chaos that that hurricane that it just keeps running around in people's heads all the time and of like when things when they can't get what they want it's going to be really bad yeah i think the the problem with them is because they have no control over their Mm -hmm. lives Mm -hmm. so they like to lash out and they have aggression when when people have depression in the brain cortisol is released that's the the stress hormone okay when you're stressed it's released one of the things it does is it actually increases the size of the amygdala little science lesson for you the amygdala deals with aggression so when someone's depressed they are more likely to be aggressive Mm -hmm. because they can't control their lives so they just take it out on anything they can and and unfortunately she takes it out on the kids 
now multiply that by billions of people. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're looking at here. Right. I did want to backtrack a little bit talking about how in the third year things really just came together mm-hmm. and the fruit trees started to bloom and we finally got some fruit, which was absolutely amazing yeah. to get our own peaches. Our they own... were delicious. It, it was like candy. Yeah, they really were good. Our own pear. We just get one pear <laughs> and then a the, pear. The, the cherries. That was great. Yeah. The Montmorency cherries. Yeah. Delicious blueberries and then we had the the cane uh cane berries so it was the blackberries and raspberries Mm -hmm. the black raspberries absolutely delicious and then we had one raspberry do you know what the name of the i think it's fall gold they tasted like gummy bears they're yellow and they're very fragile so they're best for like you pick situations they Mm -hmm. can't ship well or you just grow them yourself like we did yeah, it was absolutely mm. delicious. Oh, and then our Mars grape started producing some. Mm-hmm. And it, even though it was like heavily infested with uh, black spot, which is a fungal or bacterial disease, I don't remember, uh, we did get some grapes. Mm, delicious. Yeah, yep. a couple. Yep. And then we had the one little crab apple. Yes. The which, Hughes Virginia crab apple. Which, was, which I tasted. It was very small, probably the... The size of a small lime, it's it's going to be a great cider apple. Mm-hmm. So the fruit trees really started coming together. The berries, the grapes. We have some passion fruit ripening right now. It's just really nice to finally start getting something because we've really had to water them and fertilize them and take care of them. Yeah, everything kind of just started blooming mm-hmm. all of a sudden, and clicking. That's into true. Place. The bees this year, they actually the native bees are off the charts. There's so many different types on the comfrey flowers, on the raspberries, on the vegetable flowers pollinating everything for us. And in the last year, we added a new chicken coop and 10 new chickens. Yeah, it was really great to get the babies and actually rear them on our own this year instead of buying them already reared by someone else. Oh, yeah, it it was a... I was afraid of birds before we we moved here. It was this irrational fear for me. It's birds in space. That's, but uh, when I started raising the chickens and handling them every single day, I learned so much that they all have their own personalities. They all have their own wants and needs and stuff that scares them and makes them happy. And mm-hmm. they don't all like the same treats and. They have little personalities, and it's just taught me so much to just sit there, stop for a little bit, slow things down, watch the girls work, Mm -hmm. because they love doing what they do. I think a lot of people don't realize how simplicity is so nurturing to the soul, because the stock market can collapse, DC could blow up, and... The girls are still doing their thing. The bees are still pollinating. The birds are still flying by. Like life, can, nature continues, and that's what matters. It's that's been such a great experience this summer, realizing that and just coming to terms with it. That it's okay to to take a moment and just appreciate what's going on around you. Yeah, and I also think just with the property, it's starting to feel like everything's always been here. Yeah. The way it is right now. With like the trees growing up and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The trees growing up and the paths that we have worn mm-hmm. 
and the well house and the chicken coops and all the chickens and mm-hmm. and all the stuff in the garden and the trees and the orchard and the nursery it just feels like it's always been this way the way it looks now it is neat to see the before when it was just a like old cornfield mm-hmm. with stubble to now when there's there's fencing there's all like this infrastructure like you said and then all the trees are coming together and then that all led to this past January, at the beginning of the year, we decided to basically just document our journey and our thoughts and as a great way for us to put down our like what's going on in our minds with the mental health and how the world's going to shit. So that's when we started New Revenant Society. Yeah, I think it started more of a journal for us Mm -hmm. to we had so many different things that we felt like were happening and converging all at once that we wanted to be able to show people there's a different way to do things you can you can simplify and you can live like us you don't have to live just like us and then we discovered that this type of lifestyle really gave us a great vantage point to talk about collapse as it's happening in the United States and seeing how that's impacting people. I think a lot of people, well, okay, Kunstler, Chris Martinson, Greer, they all sit inside modern homes and apartments uh, connected to the grid Mm -hmm. with every single part of modernity still just a few feet away from them. We don't have that situation. And so we're able to see clearly what are the necessities What does it actually take on some, like the toll on someone's mental and physical health? What steps can you do to prepare yourself to build resilience? You're not building resilience when you're in a $600,000 historic mansion. Mm -hmm. And and have a hundred plus acres that you're not actually doing anything with. Yeah. And that that's not building resilience. Mm -hmm. That's building somebody's investment portfolio Mm -hmm. and their ego when you're simplifying when you're actually have your hands in the dirt planting tomatoes feeding your chickens you're working with your hands that's building resilience and that's when we realized this year year three that wait a second we have these people that we really look up to and admire and have on a pedestal that are supposedly the experts in this field and we're actually more resilient than them. You know, that was a huge wake-up call for us that, you know what? People actually need to talk about this, that what it really takes to live and be successful in a simplified life. Yeah, I think from my perspective on it, it's a problem with inauthentic people. But also, the other people that talk about living like this in, in the field... They're just really good at talking about it. Mm-hmm. They don't have any practical experience to back up any of their ideas about living a simplified life because they've never actually done it. Well, that's interesting because up until recently, say for Kunstler, for instance, he's had 30, 40 years to be connected to the grid and to write fanciful stories about it. They've actually never been challenged before because we haven't had an opportunity in history to really challenge their ideology. Now we do, and we can actually see what it takes to survive and then thrive 
in a world of simplicity, of collapsing now and avoiding the rush. And that's what we're trying to do with our work here. We're trying to throw out the bullshit that they're the experts in it, but somehow they've never taken the time to simplify their own lives. Come on. And I think we also want to show normal, everyday people can do this. Exactly. Exactly. It's we don't really have not hard. Paid memberships. We don't have Airbnbs. We don't have investment capitalists coming in, funding all of our work. It's just what two simple people are doing to make it during a collapsing civilization. Yeah. And I think we don't always have the right answers. Mm -mm. We have a lot of opinions. <laughs> But at the end of the day, we're just trying to get the message out. Mm -hmm. That's it, plain and simple, just to have people understand, yes, you can collapse with society, mm -hmm. and you might not have a choice, but you do have a choice right now to live differently. Exactly, because when we were talking about this earlier, simplicity is not complex, and it's not expensive. People automatically think it's an expensive thing to do, which is so bizarre to me. Yeah. You're reducing, so it is it is not expensive. Exactly. You're actually creating more money in your bank account because get rid of that microwave. Get rid of that TV. How many computers do you need? Do you need three or four cars when there's only two of you in a household? Mm -hmm. That sort of stuff. It's just getting rid of the excess baggage physically. And then when we talk about the mental health, it's also mentally. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... We just want more people to pay attention to themselves, mm -hmm. to understand themselves more mm -hmm. so that we don't have to deal with them when everything collapses. <laughs> it, like I said, it goes back to being a little bit selfish, but I, we want to help as many people as we can. Yes, we want the best for everyone that wants to get in the trenches with us because they can see the writing on the wall. Yeah, and I also want to say if... When there's been people that we've talked to that are also interested in, and in, in maybe introspective enough to understand something's going wrong mm -hmm. in this world, uh, they don't like that we uh, say some of the things that we say or come up with some of the articles that we come up with mm -hmm. because that makes them feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think it makes them feel inadequate. And to any of those people that are listening or saying that, you know, we're we're just in two entitled people that we're, we're phonies. To, I mean, right. we've had people on Reddit call us phonies. And... Yeah. I would say, come talk to us. Yeah. Come talk to us and, and learn about everything that we're doing here. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to shove it in anyone's face. We're just trying to help people. Mm -hmm. uh, people aren't understanding that. Well, there's a lot of ego at play and there's also a lot of money at play. There's certain people that we've mentioned that are more interested in making money than the mission. And that's what we're stressing here. They all have good missions. Mm -hmm. At least what they talk about is great topics sure. and really important to do. But you also need to match it up with action. Yep. What good are you? What are you actually contributing when you write a bunch of books, you know, fiction or nonfiction, or you have a popular blog, or you have YouTube videos and seminars and all this other bullshit, when you're actually not practicing what you preach? Right. We have a crisis of authenticity in this country, and it's and people lack character mm -hmm. to really match their lifestyle with what they talk about. Yep. So it's 2022. We're bringing character back. Yeah, that's right. That's authenticity. I think this has been great trying to introduce ourselves a little bit. I mean, this is really just the tip of the iceberg, but 
we'll definitely be able to talk more about our lifestyle in future podcasts. Yeah, and I hope it maybe gives a little bit more insight of kind of our motivations and why we want to do this and have the conversations we're having so that other people know there there's another way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not complex. You know, two people are able to do it on a modest budget without mom and dad paying for anything or memberships paying for anything. It's just the work ethic and willpower to get it done. We really believe in this lifestyle. We really believe in the mission of helping people be successful and living simple as a world of resource scarcity really bites. I couldn't have said it better myself. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, friends. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast today, maybe like and subscribe, share it with someone that might resonate with the message that we're sending out there. Uh, And do us a favor, go to newrevidentsociety.com. We'll have the link in the show notes to read some of our articles, learn more about us, and send us an email. We'd love to talk. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.